Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, hello, um, and yes, welcome to uh, the last ball drops uh, after the first day of the Australian Open, uh, and it's myself and tennis ranter himself, James. How are we doing? I am doing good. I uh, well, you know, it's true, so a little bit more like subdued on that regard. But yeah. we've had a bit, had a bit of a brilliant. I'd say brilliant. It's been a good to get the uh, the Grand Slam seasonal, like the uh, the first Grand Slam of the year, kicked off. If I may not feel a little bit slightly tired waking up. <laughs> quite early this morning <laughs> at least to try and catch something in before uh before all of it it's usually shuts up shop around midday one o'clock our time yeah yeah i was about to say happy new year to you but we're on the 14th of january is i take you you're in the, the school of thought that that's far too late to say happy new year to somebody um i mean technically you could say happy new year up until the point of the 31st of december of that year because it's still in that new year but yeah <laughs> Usually people say seven days up until seven days after, but it is, you know, Happy New Year anyway. I mean, there are other New Year's coming up, the Chinese New Year and whatnot. Good so, point. Uh, uh, so, so there's plenty of time to be able to say Happy New Year to uh, folks <laughs> and individuals and make that classic jag dad joke, which is, I'll see you next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I may have used that myself. Um, so, yeah, we are at the first Grand Slam uh, of the year. I was talking to Damien uh, yesterday on ATP Weekly and I said... You know, it's probably one of the only sports that, you know, we have, we say Happy New Year and um, we see in the new year. 
and uh, we have probably one of the, the biggest events of the year within a couple of weeks. Not a lot of prep. Uh, of course, they will be doing the prep in, in the December, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so I how, completely, how... completely agree in terms of it just still just feels bizarre that you know we start the tennis season and literally two weeks in, here's a grand slam, one of the four biggest events on the calendar. Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, so, whoa, it's, so, bizarre. it's so bizarre because you know, the, this year, particularly, um, the top players I mean, the majority of the top players who are you know, um, favorites for the event, especially on the men's side, you know, didn't really play any kind of warm up. Matches, um, you know, Alcaraz didn't, Sinner didn't, and Djokovic played, I think, one in the United Cup or a couple in the mm. United Cup. Um, but yeah, it's just like you know, no pre season for these guys, um, no friendlies. Um, <laughs> let's just get into it and uh, see how we go. Sounds good. Um, hi, Ghost. Um, we will come to your favorite Rublev uh, very shortly, but yeah. Pretty eventful day. Um, how do you work your Australian Open schedule, James? You know, um, personally, I said I'm going to stay up for this <clears throat> and uh, manage to do it. Manage to get. I'm more of a. I, I will. I, I can't stay up too late. It's it, it, in me. I can't like you know try and power through asleep. I'm more somebody who could get up early and just take the hit of being yeah. a little bit groggy for the first couple of hours or so, and then. Uh, and then getting into the sort of swing of things there. So usually I get up UK time around about between five and six o'clock in the morning just to be able to catch sort of the back end of the of the day matches and then all of the night session matches instead of I know seeing other people that you know try and stay up until three four o'clock in the morning to see some of the beginning of the J matches, but then they end up missing all the sort of um, maybe the beginning of the night sessions um, it, with, with that sort of way of working. Yeah, yeah, no, I get. It. I mean, I try to see see it through. You know, I'll maybe catch maybe the first couple of sets of Sinner. Started off with Arnaldi um, and, you know, the Arnaldi match started and, you know, 15 minutes in, I was like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> uh, I'm, up, I'm up early with the wee guy. I've, I've, I've got a 16-month-old who um, oh, yeah. has, no, has no care about time um, or the Australian Open right now. Um, so <laughs> he, he didn't care that, uh, when he was trying to wait me at half seven this morning. So, yeah, um, caught a bit of the Arnaldi, but literally the first two matches. And then the first thing uh, when I do turn on my television um, at about half seven, quarter to eight, is um, that Rublev-Vild uh, match, um, five-setter. So, you know, I always love it when you come into, uh, you wake up, the match has started about four hours previous and it's still ongoing, <laughs> so you can catch the, the kind of business then. Did you manage to, to see any of that one? Yeah, so I got up just as I think Rublev saw off the second set um, and then it was going oh. into a third. And then at that point, I was like, okay, it just, this looks like a, just a standard, you know, run through for, for a top 10, uh, for a top 10 seeded player. But no, Seabotch Wild, or Wild, or however you want to pronounce his name. Yeah, I was, I was trying to go onto the ATP website previous to coming on this tonight. To make sure that I, you know they, they show they offer that fact that you can click the the link and it allows you to see how they pronounce it themselves. I didn't have time. I didn't want to butcher it. Um, so we'll go with Vild, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I give. I mean, first of all, big credits, big credit to the um, Tiago. I call him Tiago just to make sure we don't um, to recover all bases. Um, uh, so um, so Tiago did incredibly well to keep his head in those in that situation, you know, losing the first two sets. Yeah, they were only by one break, which probably actually gave him a little bit more confidence going into going into the third set. But no, he basically just decided, you know what? I'm turning this into the Tiago show. I'm gonna hit but I'm gonna hit winners where I want to hit winners. I'm gonna hit it how I want to hit it. And that in the end absolutely 
blew the mind of Rublev in this match. And that kind of how what happened in uh, in sets uh, three and four, where this sort of like, you know, no holds back, uh, spray it wherever you want to put, wherever when you put it approach, just completely cabaddled Rublev. And, you know, you could see throughout the match that sort of old Rublev of, you know, that, that Rublev of old, effectively, of wanting to really absolutely lose it if he's not winning certain points. Yeah. Really shone out, really came out uh, in quite a strong in quite a strong capacity. Uh, there was also a lot of situations across, you know, all of the, the last three sets of uh, three, four, and five where, you know, Rublev would go, would get some great point opportunities on Thiago's serve, and yet Thiago would just find some absolute worldies to try and stop him. Uh, and, you know, as, like I said, as you can see, Rublev went absolutely out of his mind, and, and, and it felt quite right that by the end of that match, that it went to a it went to a fifth set tiebreaker and, and and to a degree at one point I believe Thiago was four two up or yeah, three 0 like... and four two three nil and four two he went to the the changeover the first changeover um yeah four two up um but you know credit to to Andre um uh, ghost is ghost favourite um you know showed that baffling quality um mm. you know he's talked about anger issues quite recently you know in terms of um how he he, he does struggle and he's worked with his team. Um, and I wonder, you know, if there was any element, I know it was kind of, it was on the edge of boiling, um, mm. but previous, you know, you've seen him batter, uh, you know, rackets, punch them, punch his knees, hit the rackets mm. off his knees. Um, it, to me, you know, he didn't really hit the panic button, even though he was down in that that breaker. Um, mm. I caught it on, I, I turned it on, so I was a bit later than you, I, I turned it on when it was 5 all. I think Veld, um, or I may have got this wrong. It might be six, it may have been six five to to Rublev at the time, but I think Veld was love forty down, um, mm, and then mm. he just you know played some brilliant nuclear tennis. You know some of the the ground strokes he was he was putting away, um, and I was just like I think I missed an absolute classic here. You know these two are just <laughs> hitting it winner after winner, um, and then yeah yeah the, the breaker. You know he had his chances. He never really for me. I never firmly believed he was going to see it uh, see it out. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I just as soon as Rublev, I think closed the gap to I think five all. Um, you know the rating was on the wall. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it's it one of those already, and they've got nothing to lose. And when you got a player, I and mean, you kept playing against somebody with that sort of mindset, set it can be incredibly dangerous. I mean, I think I remember what was it? It was a match two years ago. It was between Barry. It was between Berrettini and Monfils. Berrettini went two sets to love up. And then yeah. Montfils just played absolutely brilliant, you know, show-stopping tennis for two sets. Really looked like it was good for the next two sets. Really looked like he was going to take it. But then that pressure of like, oh, I've got something to lose now, then started to play out in how Montfils played. And then Berrettini was able to take the fifth set. That kind of what felt like what happened also in the tiebreaker, where even though that Z-Watch Wield was very, you know, was... You know, it was a case of like they were both even all the way through up until the tiebreaker. He was always the set person serving second, so he always yeah. felt like still chasing. So he kind of had that mini thing of going, "Well, I'm still behind. Let's still hit hit for the hit for the lines and see what happens." Yeah. Uh, and and up until you say that point in the, getting into the tiebreaker, and then when he got to like six four or whatnot, then it was like, "Oh, I've actually now got something to lose. I'm in the lead. I'm four points away from being able to see off this big victory." Then yeah. the that happens now. Unfortunately, thanks to Eurosport and Discovery Plus, thank you. Uh, they decided to cut to a blank screen for the entirety of the rest of the match for the for the last lot of four points that Rublev won. So I have no idea what happened in those four points. <laughs> did, I, did I watch the? I thought I'd watch the end. Maybe I was 
maybe changing the wee guy or something. I don't know. I thought I'd watch the end, but yeah, it might have happened because I, I was, I was, I was watching well. it. It was it was getting really into it, and then all of a sudden, white screen and this sort of blue like paint line starts to go across, and the bit of funky music they like to play. And I was like, "Why are you doing this Eurosport? It's not yeah. over. We are literally the cusp." I think it because it went seven five or something like that, or suddenly hit seven, and they thought, "Oh, it's over now." Click off this match. Like, no, 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 no. Still play. Yeah. Still good. Yeah. Let's keep for this. Sorry, carry on. Well, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to the, the Eurosport coverage because I, I did have a question I wanted to pose with you um, for the next match. Um, and probably, um, you know, the, the talking point around Melbourne Park tonight or, or last night then would have been, you know, that Djokovic match. Um, you mm. know, Prismic uh, comes in as uh, an 18-year-old. Um, Djokovic commented after the win, you know, he, he was double his age. Um, uh, 18-year-old, never played a Grand Slam match. Um, and, you know... Early on, it didn't look as if he had too many weapons. He was maybe a little bit overawed by the occasion. Um, early on again, he, he had the trainer out. Uh, I think it was after only four or five games. And you were mm. just thinking, you know, um, this is going to be a, a stroll for, for Novak. It didn't mm. quite turn out that way. Um, you know, I take it you managed to, to, to get that one in? Yeah, it was well, when Djokovic, I think, went like a break up in the first set. Uh, I kind of went like... Here we go. Free setter. Djokovic little uh, coronation party. Guy's done really well to get to the uh, get to the you know main draw from qualifying, especially as an eighteen year old. But you know the, the occasions overawing him. So I went over to the Magna Lanette match <laughs> just because I was like, I'll see how um, Caroline Wozniacki's doing. And then watched like a bit of that. Then the whole thing with Wozniak with, with Lynette retiring. Well, no, we'll go on to that later on. Came back and all of a sudden, uh, Prismich just broken him in the second set, and I was, I was like whoa what is happening here this is this kid's really come back into it and yeah i mean god the guy was good um bruce mitch i mean he was finding his lines hitting them deep whenever he was his defensive work was brilliant it was almost as though he was out djokovic in djokovic at points in terms of yeah, how many, yeah. the balls he could the balls he could get back from both you know from both ends of the court in terms of both corners of the court uh he was able to use a drop shot really well he brought no back forward when it when he needed to was able to uh, you know, really apply, really apply the pressures at points in which you'd expect. Uh, and this kid, I mean, I remember watching. I mean, I remember hearing a lot about him in the juniors. I know he won. I think it was Junior Roland Garros um, last year, and that was his last uh, junior tournament. And you know, for him to be 18 and to already be ranked in the world's 200 means he had a brilliant career for the futures and into the and starting to go into the challenges. I remember watching him uh, against Jack Draper in, a, in an indoor challenger in autumn last year, and, and it was a three-hour epic. That, and it took Jack three hours to be able to beat the guy. So it was like, yeah. this kid knows how to play, and this kid has an absolutely bright future. And you could see that by how Novak, you know, basically wanted, told him, right, you're going to go out to the centre, you know, after the match had finished, you're going to go out to the centre of the court and you're going to clap the fans because what the performance you placed there is that yeah. you put yourself on the map. And you've got this sort of classic line, I know it's a sort of an overarching thread of actually both matches that took place on centre court today or on Rod Laver Arena. Where you, when you're a young kid who's disqualified, over two things are going to happen on that big stage. You're either going to play your absolute best tennis and show the world what you've got, or you're going to have an absolute stinker. And both yeah. happened, unfortunately, in that night session. And yeah. Prismit showed us absolutely what he can do. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, Snyder completely, completely capitulated. But yeah. yeah, no, no, and it was an enthralling watch. Um, you know. Um, even he's even got the you know the extended grunt winner. Um, yeah. I think it was two uh, one in the second set, which he would go on to win in the, the tie break. Um, an unbelievable cross court passing shot, um, and you know 
maybe taking that off Djokovic. He likes an, an extended grunt winner. Um, and Prismich, you know, just maybe maybe a bit in the Djokovic mold, do you think? You know, you know, has he been reared from the tennis landscape uh, in the mold of Djokovic? I think he has. I mean, uh, I know that they were saying on the uh, on the on the Eurosport comms uh, beforehand that he absolutely idolizes Djokovic. I think he actually went to his academy for a little bit when he was very when he was very much, very much younger, uh, and that he actually follows the same diet as Djokovic as well. This sort of like you know plant and nature based diet. I mean, you know, in I mean, the one thing we need, we can never really under, underestimate is how big a star Djokovic is, not only in Serbia but that entire area of. Um, yeah. Of the Balkans, where everybody, the Croats, um, Bosnians, the whole job lot, absolutely adore Djokovic uh, with every sort of fibre of their being. And you know, he, uh, uh, the fact that you know, you know, I'm surprised he was still able to, even with that added pressure, the fact that not only are you playing one of the greats of the game, you are also playing your idol that you've watched as you've grown up to still come out on on a foreign arena in front of fifteen thousand fans and go, do you know what? I'm going to make a name of myself. Again, it is it's just out of this world what this kid's going to be able to do, you know, going forward. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on for the future. And if you didn't know uh, the name Prismich uh, before uh, today, I, I'm sure you will be keeping an eye out for his results, uh, certainly in 2024. Final thing uh, on the Djokovic match, and then we will move on to the Sabalenka match that you referred to because we haven't touched on the ladies' side yet. Um what was your thoughts on Kyrgios uh, and his co-coms debut for the Djokovic match? Good question. Uh, I mean, my, my I, I, generally when it came to the content that he was saying, I felt he was kind of a, kind of a good. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a current player, which means that he's able to give current insights in, in the mindset of current players and what is happening uh, on the field. And he was able to pick up, you know, what what were the, you know the key bits that were really good about what Djokovic was doing, what Prismich was doing. Um, so from that perspective, I felt he was good. The only issues I had with him were more technical. It was he was his microphone was way too close to his mouth, so I could hear him breathing <laughs> constantly. Uh, and yeah. I, and I'm sorry, Eurosport, but you're a multi-million pound company that operates a, across the entirety of Europe. You've got to be able to tell him no. You need to move the microphone away from your mouth. We don't want to hear your lung movements. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, there was something that had an issue with their audio. I think it was both for Nick Lester and also for Kyrgios. So they were ahead. It, well, they were ahead, so I was yeah, ooh, yeah. before the shot was even happening. I'm like, I yeah. don't want this. Move the audio back. Come on, just move it back yeah. so I don't feel as though I know what's happening before I see it. Well, I'm so glad that wasn't. So that, no, no, I'm glad that wasn't only me because that was like, you know, as soon as you heard like, you know, Kerry, I was going, oh, oh. and you just oh, knew that something was something was about to happen, um, and then you know, subsequently, one of the players would you know netball it or or you know hit an unbelievable winner. So, um, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I thought you know it was obviously different to hear uh Kyrgios and, and he does give an insight um into how you know how to play Djokovic and, and um so I thought it was interesting um I wouldn't I know he gets uh, slammed and he has his haters but I don't think he did a, a terrible job in terms of the content that he, uh, and the words that he was saying um but yeah let's move on to Sabalenka um hmm. I wasn't getting away with watching two or no three tennis matches in a row um from the other half so um <laughs> I had it on the background while I um did other tasks and chores um but yeah other than you know maybe a couple of moments in early on, um, I think it was uh, as the scoreline score line suggests, um, you know a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a breeze for for Sabalenka. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it was just a, it was a situation where the, the Schneider was just overawed with this with the with the situation. I also think the time they came onto court didn't help and. More questions are going to be asked about late finishes and, and matches starting <clears throat> yeah. at city o'clock. I mean, I think in Melbourne the uh, the match started 
believe it was something like 10 30 11 30 um i think it was about it was 11 o'clock once we i was thinking that when i saw the score line i was like that was lucky that she's you know won it um one uh, all in one um because yeah, 50, 53 minutes i mean it kind of saves craig tiley's neck a little bit exactly because then the organizers you know after all this you know hoo-ha about you know we've worked with the wta and the atp to to make sure that the, the schedules will be sorted you'll not have any more late finishes and then on day one you know if that was a three setter that had went for for two or three hours you're talking early hours again, um, and then all the criticism comes back. Yeah, they say three, if that was a three-hour match, you're finishing that at three o'clock in the morning, and that'd be horrible for both those two players. I mean, yeah, granted, it's uh, uh, they got two days afterwards, but you know, the key, one of the key points, and I'm sorry to go away from the match, but one of the key reasons why we have this Sunday start claimed by Craig Tiley is to prevent, as you say, is to prevent those late finishes. However, if you're starting matches at seven thirty in the evening Australia time, and you're going to stick a best of five men's match, and it goes four hours like it did here, you're not going to start the next match until close to midnight. So you've not yeah. made the changes you need. It needs to start over at six to six thirty to, to mitigate it. Um, yeah. But that's another matter. But no, Shabalenka was locked in. That's very good to see, especially after what happened at the um, at the final in Brisbane, where she complete, where she felt like she completely fell apart uh, against Rybakina. Um, her opponent, unfortunately, was overawed, and Sabalenka did everything cor- um, correct. Her serving was good. A couple of double faults here or there, but you know nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, good, good forehands, good back at you know, you know forehand stroke was powerful. Overawed her opponent, uh, and it was you know it was unfortunate for the for, for, for the unqualified from Germany because you know there was I think there was a point when she was you know six love three love down that she started to, she was crying on court because of how bad she felt felt it was all oh, going my. and uh, it was. And and the and the and the fact that she was able to at least in that final service game be able to get it over the line when she did and um, to be able to at least to get the game. How did the crowd report. react to that? If there was anybody the, left, the ones that left were really happy. They really wanted them to actually get that game just because they did not want to sit there and see the world number two oh, absolutely love, love. rip apart an eighteen-year-old six love six love. That is yeah. not good. I mean, it also shows a good the level between you know both those two players because you think about it um schneidel is a qualifier so she's at least somebody who's ranked around about you know at max maximum 200 on in the world so this is still like a very good player like you're one of the top 200 players in the world you are a very good player for her to you know for somebody who to be ranked that still that highly and still get booted in such a manner is yeah at least it it shows the the sort of real gap in uh gap between both of them and uh and whatnot there yeah, no, uh, definitely. But um, Sabalenka, I, I'm not going to, you know, insult your intelligence by saying can she win it? Obviously, defending champion. But a lot mm. of the the pre-tournament narrative, uh, particularly of what happened in the in the, the Brisbane final, um, Shontek and and Rebecca are, are, are kind of you know where everybody's thinking, um, which mm. is strange because you know um, you know Sabalenka is the defending champion. So uh, for you, you know, is it still between those three? Uh, I think it's add Coco Goff to the mix. If any of those four players won the tournament, I would not be surprised. If any other player won the tournament, I would be surprised. It's the best way to it's the best way to describe it. My me personally myself, I think it's going to be Rybakina who's going to win it, uh, just because of the um, level that was shown in Brisbane. Yeah, granted, she kind of flunked out to Alexandrova, but I think she was just knackered anyway in Adelaide, and I don't know why she went. Uh, <laughs> just just down to the fact that you've already played the week before, you don't need to play Adelaide. I know you want to probably win all everything in Australia, but you don't need to do that. Um, but no, yeah, it would be one of those four. I would not be surprised if any of those four win the top, win it. But for me, I think it'll be a, a sap. I think it'll be a goth Rybakina the final, and I think Rybakina will win it. Wow. Okay. I, I that's like my, that. That was my. That was my. That's, a, 
that is a bold prediction, and I like it. So no, neither Sabalenka nor uh, nor Shiontek in the final. So um, you heard it here on the first night and uh, the first uh, last ball drops. That that's uh, that's what James is going for, and he's on at tennis ranter uh, when you mm. want to give him abuse uh, when that doesn't. Come <laughs> in. Um, staying with the ladies, um, Leila Fernandez. You know, mm. picking back up a bit of form. Had a decent end to last year. Um, you know, a lot of people have been find uh, are been asking. You know, when is she going to kind of relive the, the US Open um, from a couple of years ago. Um, hasn't done too much since then. Um, but yeah, a, a decent win for, against the qualifier from the Czech Republic, uh, Bejic, um, 7-6, 6-2 um, in an hour and 33 minutes. Um, yeah, did you, I did mean, you I manage... Say she, she has done a little bit. I mean, just to, just to counteract that, because she did win Monterey, I think, the year after. Oh, of US course, Open. yeah. Okay, and yeah. She, and she won Hong Kong last year as well. So, right. yeah. and she got to the quarterfinals at the, at the French Open and, you know, you know, after what happened with both of those two players, Radicanu and yeah. Fernandez in twenty one, I mean, it's it's going to take it's going to take a long time for, for for them to be able to refine refine any sort of major bit of top level form. Like, yeah. Look, it's a good it's, it's it's a good win for Fernandez. It's an expected win for Fernandez. On paper, it's the thirty second seed against a qualifier. You'd expect the thirty second seed to see off the qualifier. Uh, you know, first set, you know. Um, the the uh, the um, Czech player did take it to a tiebreaker, but then you know the quality of uh, Fernandez Schomper in the second, quite a comfortable win in the end, uh, and on to the second round for Leila. And where, where where do you think she can go then, James? You know, in terms of this uh, this run now, um, as I said, picking up a, a little bit of form. Um, can she? You know, I know you're talking about the, the top four. You'd be surprised if anybody else. But I'm not saying that Leila Fernandez can go in and win it. But can she? Does she have the game? That could cause any of these players, these these four. I don't know. I can't remember what side of the draw she's in. Um, but can she cause? I'd assume it'll be the Sabalenka or the. Um, but yeah, can she cause any of these players problems? Um, I'll find out the draw while you while you look into that. <laughs> uh, I I don't think she would cause the top four any problems at, at currently, but she certainly could. That she certainly is a player that if you're seeded five downwards you do not want to see in your side of the draw realistically because she will be tricky. She gets lots of balls back. She's she knows she knows she, she's a she's a ball player. You know, I she's very much in this tournament. I'd be surprised if she doesn't make seeding in terms of getting making sure she definitely gets to the third round. There is the possibility she could uh, get to the fourth round, but she will play a top eight seed before um, in that in that third round match. So you know, at that yeah. point, it's uh, well, it's, it's Coco Golf actually. I'm just looking at the draw now. So there, there so she's, um, she's not next. losing to golf. She's not losing she's... to golf in the third round. I'm sorry, she's not losing to golf in the third round. I know it's going to get clipped, and if that happens, I know I'll she's get not losing. To... I thought you, you just told me golf was was going all the way to the final. I did. As I was saying, she's not losing to Goff. <laughs> oh, no, hang, on. Goff hang on, hang on. Goff's not losing to Fernandez. Ah, right, okay, right. Sorry, sorry I thought you were yeah. saying she's not losing to Goff. She's beating Goff. No, sorry. Um, Goff isn't losing to Fernandez. That's not happening. That's not happening. No, no, no. Well, first Goff. of all, she has to get through um, Lisa Parks, who had a mm. really good win um, today. She came back from a set down um, against a Ukrainian qualifier. Um, I'm going to butcher this name as I usually do. Um, is this Snigger? Snigger. <laughs> um, yeah. Was that good? Was that decent? Um, she she <laughs> lost the first set six two and then won uh, second set six two six four. Um, so she will face Leila Fernandez in the next round. That one should be a really good matchup. Should be. I mean, Parks has been a bit on and off, you know, re, you know, over the yeah. over the past um, 
Yeah, she's been a bit on and off. I mean, since Feb the February period last year. I mean, I'm, I remember watching. Uh, funny enough, I was really, I was quite, uh, I was in Leon for the 250 event that took place the year she, uh, when she won it last year, um, and I saw a quarter final match. And she's a person with a huge game in terms of really strong yeah. serve. You know, it's um, and, and that really can get her a lot of free points. But you know, she's had a bit of some on off performances. Um, over the last over the last few weeks and a few months, it's good to see her get the win. You'd expect it to be a qualifier, um, but yeah, it'd be a tough, much tougher contest against Fernandez in the second round. Yeah, yeah, and as you say, that could uh, potentially set up a third round meeting for the winner of that against Coco Golf. So a really, a really decent um, side of the draw that one. Um, staying with uh, very quickly um, with the ladies, and then we'll move on to a couple of the guys' games because um, there's been a couple of five setters and. And Tifo mm. came through a, a tricky tie, but there is um, one just one, just one I want to mention very quickly that was on Kia Arena, and that was Anna Simova who's coming back from her um injury. No, sorry, yeah, coming uh, back from yeah, good point, yeah. beating the 13th seed Sam Sonova. That has to be the biggest upset of the day. Um, yeah. as a as a result, it's great to see Anna Simova back on the court. I really like watching her. I was able to watch her in Wimbledon a couple of years ago, beat Goff on centre court. That was excellent to, to see at the time. Uh, and for her to be able to take out Lou Miller, who's you know, Lou Miller's had had a really good season last year. Granted, it's not been such so great at the start of the Aussie swing, but it is still fantastic to see um, you know, and Anna Simova get the win and get through to the second round there. Yeah, couldn't agree more. She took a, a bit of time out, you know, and, and, and quite openly uh, was talking about, you know, her mental health, um, was taking a bit of a hit with, with the kind of tennis landscape. Um, I think I watched a, a little bit in Adelaide, um, um, if she was there. I, I sometimes don't register what tournament I'm watching, but she, I definitely watched one of her matches um, and she looked pretty good, um, you know. So back to a bit of form and, you know, again, another dangerous player um, on the ladies' side of things. Um mm. I probably expect so, her to get certainly get back by the end of the year into the top thirty like she was um, before she left the tour. Yeah, yeah, no, um, nice, nice shout there. Um, I was going to just mention uh, Magda Lynette had to retire against yeah. uh, Caroline Wozniacki. Um, that's going to be quite a, a drop in points, of course, reaching the semi-finals last year. Um, but you know, again, Caroline Wozniacki, um, a decent, a decent kind of result for her in terms of getting through that one. Um, she's got to be happy with that. Yeah, she'll be she'll be fairly fairly happy with that. I mean, yeah, she was able to get a hampered opponent and now takes the position of of the twentieth seed in the draw, uh, which will be really helpful for Caroline on that um on this um, run that she's um, hoping to try and put forward. And yeah, she's played really well, really good tennis, getting the ball all over the court, really really uh, move, moving Mag Magda around. And yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's just a real shame for for Magda that she's uh not going to drop a ton of points now. Probably drop around about to forty or fifty in the world, I suspect. Um, once the live rankings um start working um from tomorrow afternoon, um, you know from those semi final points that she'll end up dropping. And it always seems to be the way with Magda that she's the one that can cause that one of the bigger stories um on this first Sunday of a Grand Slam. I know uh what was it a couple of years ago she beat um. Uh, she'd be uh, on Jabur in the on the on literally the first match that took place um, on the French Open on the Sunday when everyone thought Ons was the main challenger for to, to eager in that total tournament. Yeah, no, um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of opening up a little bit um, uh, on the ladies' side of things. I mean, I know we've got a, a whole bunch of players still to come, but you know, it, it is uh, it's always an interesting watch in the early rounds um, with the ladies. Francis Tiavo. Um, mm. Very, very tricky tie. He uh, managed to came through. He was last up on the Margaret Court Arena 
to be honest, I thought this one had five setter. He was up against Borna Koric, um, and he, he managed to come through in four. Um, as I said, I think uh, I thought this one had five setter, four hours, five hours, all, written all over it. Um, but, you know, did you manage to catch any of that? How's Francis looking? Um, he, yeah, he's certainly confident he wants to win the Australian Open. Um, whether or not he, he will do that um, remains to be chatted <laughs> about and seen. Um, but, yeah, Francis, TFO, big four, how did he get on? Yeah, I mean, he was really unlucky to actually draw Courage. I mean, Courage is a top 40 player and he was one of those few players that didn't get the unseeded, uh, who was who was unseeded and being one of those high players. So it was always going to be a tough opener. I think seeing it off in four is pretty good for Francis. I mean, there was a, there was a tight... Uh, there was a there was a tight tiebreaker in the second set as part of that. Um, I didn't get a chance to see much of, of, of the performance, but no, it's it, it's a good it's a good win for Tiafo. I know he's had, you know, at the back end of last season, he had absolutely no form whatsoever, and he didn't look entirely good in in the two warm up tournaments, uh, or at least that certainly in the Hong Kong warm up tournament. Uh, that he was also a part of in um, uh, um, you know in January and good for him to get the win. We know he's a big he's a big stage player. Um, I've, funny enough, I just recently watched his episode with um, Taylor Fritz on the, the Breakpoint series. Um, so it's uh, you know you can certainly tell that when it comes to the big events, especially the American events, um, you know okay this is the Australian event and he will, he does still turn up for Australia that you know he he will play his absolute best. Yeah, no, and uh, seamless link there. I was going to bring up Taylor Fritz. Um, looked in a little bit of trouble at points in his match, mm. um, uh, but he managed to come through at five sets in the end um, against Diaz Acosta. Um, again, I know it's hard with the, the time and the, the, the amount of matches that are on. I caught bits and bobs of it when I would flick the channel between uh, Vild and then Djokovic. Um, so yeah, Taylor Fritz, um, you know, he, he had a, a, an exit to Popperin last year, which uh, was, was a bit of a shock at the time, uh, obviously a homeboy Popperin. Um, but Taylor Fritz, number 12 seed, um five sets you don't want five sets in your first round do you no this is this is it this continues a bit of a concerning trend with taylor which is he's not doing well at slams at the moment when it comes to you know like you say he okay he was able to get to the quarterfinals of the us open last year but the year before that he got he got knocked out in the first round last year getting knocked out to pop ring quite early on only really got to like the third or the fourth round at the french wimbledon was a bit, a bit of a dud as well for him this year you know when it comes to these big tournaments, especially the you know as the American number one being the main one leading the charge in these events, he's not showing up at the moment, and we're getting a lot of these results where you know if you're you know if you're an unseeded player, you're having a look at Taylor and thinking you can have a real pop at him, and that's exactly what uh, Falcundo Diaz Acosta um, did here. I mean, you know Falcundo isn't you know it's not as though he's a he's a natural hard quarter. He's he's a you know he's an Argentinian clay quarter, but he, brought, he was able to bring that sort of um, sort of style to the. Uh, that start of the courts of uh, the John Kane arena. And it was just really disappointing for me in this match that because of how tight it was, and especially near the end, that it all ended with Taylor just getting the app, getting the last possible break he could, or the second last possible break he could, um, to be able to win the match 6-4, because you're in those sorts of scenarios, you want it to realistically go to a match tie-breaking, because that's how you feel like it feels like it should end. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, good for Taylor to be able to see it out. I can, I'm concerned about him further on down the line, you know, four-hour match now, People are going to see that he's very vulnerable at certain points. They're going to attack his vulnerabilities, and they'll certainly want to take that 12 seeding spot off him earlier on. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, I think that's a, it's a good to round up. Um, yeah, I'm just having a quick look at um, one of the tweets. I was, I'm sure I saw a tweet about Tennyson. He says he's, he thinks he's got a target on his back. That's what I wanted to say from the Netflix episode that you had watched. Um, yeah. so I, I've not watched Breakpoint yet. 
Um, I'm still uh, debating whether or not to watch Breakpoint, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I did see in one of the, uh, somewhere I read that he thinks he's got a target on his back um, because he's a, a, you know, a top player. Would you say that's true, you know, Taylor Fritz? I mean, how, how does it work? Do they go, okay, this guy's a top 10 or a top 12 um, you know, let's, well, surely everyone's going into these matches and just wanting to win. Yeah, I mean, the idea of a target on your back, I mean, and if you've got a number against your name, you're going to have a target in, uh, you know, on your back in terms of, you, you know, you're a seeded player. player. Yeah. You're the 12th seeded player. You know, Djokovic has a target on his back. You know, say Leila Fernandez, who's the 32nd seed, she's got a target on her back. Because you're the player in front of the majority of the other players, you are, of course, going to have a target on your back as people want to be able to beat you and overtake you. That's this sport. It's all about getting the better results than anyone else, getting the higher ranking than anyone else, and then you such getting the um, easier draws at the early early stages of a tournament uh, than anyone else in, in the process. And to say to some one next episode that he has this target, especially it was in the last season, I find that a bit strange. Um, yeah. And if that's really starting to have an effect on him now, especially as you know he's now somebody who's been certainly a top twenty player for the last two years. Um, you know, it feels utterly bizarre because every top 20 player people want to beat because they want to get into the top 20 and then top 10 themselves. Yeah. No, it's, it's a bit of a naive. And like you say, for the last couple of years, you know, I'd say, you know, Taylor Fritz has probably had a, a target on his back since Indian Wells two years ago when he, when he beats the Dow in that final when he's injured. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, Taylor Fritz, and, and it's not as if it's, it's anything new that the top players and the guys are, are getting, you know, um, beating big players all then become you know um, people want to beat them as well so no, it's, like you say it's, it's nothing new um, which I thought was a very naive thing to say other matches to note um, from uh, the first eight uh, Marishan beating Chilich now um, Damien had uh, Chilich going to the quarterfinals so uh, Damien yeah he, he thought uh, Marion Chilich was coming through that one sorry, uh, and then sorry they... Damien what were you on like... <laughs> It's, it's always it's played any tennis. And Marishan uh, just had a, had a decent week a couple of weeks ago, I believe, if I remember correctly, and he's getting a couple of wins. Yeah, yeah. What do you no, mean uh, him in the quarters? He's barely played. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's all it's all on record. Um, so if you go back to like yesterday's ATP weekly, um, you will see. I think he was basically saying it out of you know a, a little bit of hope rather than than concrete um belief. But uh, yeah, Marishan six uh, one in the first set. Um, I mean, it was a topsy-turvy match, wasn't it? 6-1 in the first set. Chilich won the second 6-2. Um, and then Marishan 6-2, 7-5. I do like Marishan. Um, I'll be honest, it came onto my radar after that Alcaraz win last year. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do like when I watch him play because he varies it so much. I like the, the, the drop shot and bringing it in. Um, yeah, another player that, that I, I, I've, I've got hope for. Um, are those hopes misguided, James? No, I mean... Um... Yeah, okay. It was a quite, a, it was quite a big win he got against Alcaraz in that Rome in that Rome match. I mean, it completely took everyone by surprise, by surprise. But no, Fabian's just doing the, uh, the usual bits that you'd expect from a young player making his way through the rankings. Really, I mean, he's made his way through the for the, the challenges, got himself into some main tour events, started to get some wins in those main tour events. Uh, and yeah, I mean, whatever his ceiling can be, certainly potentially top 30. I'm not entirely sure if he could get top 20 though, or, or not there. But you know, certainly as, as a mainstay of the tour, he has he has a future to be able to uh, to be able to make uh, to be able to get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other ones, Gigi Wolf had to retire. Um, he was yeah. two sets to one down 
um, Big Seven, JJ Wolf, um, and uh, again Sebastian Baez. Um, so again, Baez will be pleased but, to, to get that done and dusted. What were you yeah, going to say? Yeah, Bi- Baez will need that win. He's not in any great shape or form. I mean, he got absolutely chopped up by Draper in Adelaide last week, and uh, yeah. you know, it's it's certainly to be able to get even with a retirement, it'll just give Baez a little bit more confidence, uh, especially yeah. as he's going into a, a go. You know, okay, maybe not this tournament's one he's going to care about, but certainly going into next month when it go, when, the, when the South American swing kicks back off again, yeah. it, when the South American swing kicks off for the main tour, you know, he's got points, he's got a title just for defending Cordoba, and he'll want to go far in Buenos Aires and Rio. This will be good to be able to start building up some confidence before going into those tournaments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, on the out, uh, on the outside courts as well, um, Quinton Halley's. Um, uh, is that how you say it? Alice, Hellies? Alice, um, Alice, Alice. Alice, hmm. uh, you know, famously had a decent run at Wimbledon. Um, um, yeah, beat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he beat Lloyd Harris in a four setter. He lost the first set, 7 6, 7 5, 7 6. It sounds like that one was a, a bit of a self fest. Um, uh, where else? <laughs> they're, Jody too, they're, they're, too, they're too big, they're too big servers, both those two. So it's no surprise that there's a couple of tiebreakers in that match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, get get your money on that. Uh, please gamble responsibly. Um, and then Jodie Burridge um, mm. bageled um, in the final set. Uh, I took the first set as well. Um, did you see any uh, Jodie Burridge's match? No, but Jodie, unfortunately, I mean, as you can probably guess, we're both Brits, so we kind of follow the British players a little bit more than we would any sort of other sort of, sort of player ranked, you know, 90-odd in the world. She's not really had a great... Aussie swing. Um, she got to the second round of the Challenger in Canberra in the first week and then failed to get past the first qualifying round for Hobart last week. And so, you know, coming into coming into this tournament, Corpatch also beat her in um, the Kluge uh, in the uh, in the Transylvania Open um, before, you know, just just in October as well. So there was already a bit of form in Corpatch proving a little bit confident against Jody. Um, you know, it's really good to see her take the first set. But Jody's one of those players where. She can, I when she's on and when she plays really well, she can beat anyone and her shots are outstanding. But if her mindset goes slightly off, you get a situation where it's double faults galore, it's it's um, mistakes galore, the whole job lot, and you get six love sets placed against her. And it's a real shame that she wasn't able to really capitalize in this period. You know, this is a, I think this was the first, second tournament that she was able to get to on her rankings alone, not having to worry about wildcards to get into the event or go through qualifying. And again, this is okay. This is a tournament that she hasn't really showed up in, or the, or a swing where she's not really shown up in. And you know, hopefully she'll dust herself down, uh, look, look, you know, take all the feedback she can do from these tournaments, and then go in, and then um, go go and hopefully uh, get some form back picked up uh, in the February tournaments afterwards. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, and we'll wrap up um, very very soonish. Um, a couple of reasons because my laptop battery is running low and uh, and the charger's downstairs and I'm starting to have a bit of a panic. Um, but before we do it, I, I realised I hadn't mentioned Yannick Sinner, of course, um, kicking things off on the Rod Laver Arena. A big favourite among, amongst many people. Um, Sinner being uh, both his uh, band the show shop, um, seven, uh, 6 4 7 5 6 3. Um, yeah, Sinner, he's uh, it's pretty much surely, I don't want to write his own death warrant, but. Um, surely it's nailed on that he's going to make at least the semi-finals given the, the form he's been in recently yeah I mean not to give another one of my predictions away I've got him winning the tournament on my brackets I don't know how but I've ended up <laughs> okay. having I've ended up having Sinner winning the event and again it was another it was an, it was another um, it, it was another player that it was a little bit unlucky uh, to actually draw I mean okay so he's around about ranked um, 
59 in the world at the moment, but was as high as 50. I mean, you know, Botic is a very is a very you know good player, and, and and it could have been easily that match could have been a lot more tougher than it ended up actually being in the end. You know, pretty comfortable, straight sets at two and a half hours, two days off. Go again, uh, go again next, and you know it's a good good match to be able to blow away some cobwebs of his first proper match of the season. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just uh, exactly how we want to start this, um, and I've got a wee sneaky suspicion uh, for him as well. Um, it's going to be exciting. Two other matches I was going to mention just quickly. Sakari, obviously, second up, she won six four six one, which is really good because yeah. the way Sakari has completely capitulated the start of slams in the in recent history to get a win, to get a good win as yeah. well. That is really promising to see, and I'm really pleased for her. Yeah, and Thomas Mashak, um, he'll be playing TFO yet, uh, TFO next. Um, he won seven five six one seven five. He's uh, you know he's making waves, isn't he? And uh, he is. He was he was lethal in the challenger circuit um, in in um, in autumn, and I know um, uh, Damien will uh, uh, will have a lot of stats on Mahatch there. I beat two Brits on the, in two of the finals, which I was a bit annoyed about, but we'll uh, gloss over that. Um, but yeah, really good thing for Mahatch. Straight sets victory there against Mochinucci. I mean, it's against, you know, Mochinucci. You know, you kind of, you know, he's doing really well, the, uh, yeah. the Japanese player. I'm surprised it was as comfortable as that, but Mahatch is really sort of um, showing his form there. Uh, just if I could just quickly mention a couple of uh, interesting results that I found as well. Go for it. Yeah, that's where we're here. Uh, so one of them being um, in the court six, the Sarara Cerebes Tormo losing to Corn, uh, Corneva. Uh, Corneva, um, just to give everyone a bit of um, uh, a bit of context, won the um, girls' singles title this time last year. She beat Mira and Draver in the final. Um, so it was really, um, it's really promising to see her. That not only did she qualify uh, for the event, and she's got a singles ranking already of 180 in the world, but she's also now won her first round match, especially against Cyrus Rebus Torbo, who is a very tricky player to play. I mean, first of all, I'm surprised that match didn't go three hours, knowing Cyrus Rebus Torbo. But the uh, but the fact that you know she was able to get that win for for, for the for the girl is is excellent to see. Uh, and then the other interesting result is uh, Shevchenko losing to Jal Muna. Um, is, is the other one in straight set six three six three six one on court three? Um, Shevchenko had a really good end to the season last year. You know, got to the final, I believe it was in Mets, losing to uh, Ugo Umber in, in, in that match, uh, and then also getting some good wins and some good uh, and some good runs on the indoor circuit. He hasn't really translated to the start of this season at the moment, so it's been a bit. Um, so you know, although I had Shevchenko winning this match and, and losing the next round, I'm surprised at Jal Munar, who's predominantly a clay quarter again um, and who's more looking forward to February in the clay courts in Argentina than he is actually looking forward to the hard courts in Australia. Um, for him to then get such a convincing victory against Shevchenko is a slight worry um, for Shevchenko, but hopefully, you know, Shevchenko can be able to um, pick something up from there because he is the next big sort of, he is the next sort of big um, promise uh, in the men's game for, for Russian tennis at the moment. Yeah, no, uh, and Munar, of course, um from the fraternity of the Rafa Nadal Academy as well, isn't it? He's in the mm. he's in one of the I think I watched it one time uh, a documentary on Prime about the Nadal Academy. Um, if you're as sad as me, give it a watch. Um, I think tennis we could finish up. Awesome, you got to watch them all. You got to watch them all as much as you can. You what? Tennis documentaries. You got to watch as much as you can. Really get yeah. get get to know the game. Content, content, content. Uh, hello, Jake. Um, good follower of. Uh, of the talking tennis stream. Is there anything else we may have missed? Um, you know, uh, as John mentioned, um, the Bergs uh, since the past match uh, will be live streamed tonight. 
Um, we think about 2 a.m. UK time. Um, I mm. believe that's what he's meaning. Um, yeah, GMT said it. Um, and uh, Garcia Osaka. Sorry. I like I like Zizou, so I think it could be a match between sits and pass. I think Zizou could take a set. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm lo- I'm loving these predictions, um, James. I'm loving them. But you, I'm just you, you, you banging them out. Like, you don't left, care. Right, left, right, left. You, right. you go against the grain. And then Garcia, um, which is going to be an absolute blockbuster. I think mm. I saw sits, um, sorry, Kyrgios, um and one of the contents that the Australian Open fair that called this match a brutal tie. Um, a sack of Garcia. That'll be good. Um, that's on at 10 a.m. I was going to say to yourself, um, just to answer maybe Matthew's question at the end, um, what is the must-watch for tomorrow for you, James? Oh, the must-watch tomorrow. Let me quickly get up the order of play just to make sure that um, I am not saying a match that doesn't It's do not even on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say that. Um, I think for me, looking through it, I think you've got Garcia Osaka. That's a banger. That's what I certainly want to watch. Uh, Orja Aliasim team, two players who are not in great form but can play really well. That could be an interesting one as well. Uh, the one, of course, the one as a Brit I'm going to keep an eye out for is Murray versus Echeverry and seeing how far past five hours that match is going to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could probably guess on that one there. I mean, Batista Agoop, Ben Shelton, that would be an interesting match. Batista Agoop yeah. is, uh, is getting a bit more consistency back at the moment. Uh, uh, just running through at the moment to see. Demon or Ryan H? You know, interest in that one? Ryan H? Not really. No, uh, not, don't think not, so. Not at the moment. I mean, the, the guy, I don't know, the guy, I don't know what he's doing. He's not really doing anything on the tour. I mean, it's not like Murray, who was able to get some consistency after coming back. He's just playing the old tournament and then just going, yeah, okay. He looked after losing first round or something there. Um, but barring that, um, I can't really see. I mean, I know Hugh Banks could be a, a, a potential risk of going out against Tara Daniel. Of course, Daniel was in the final of the uh, was in the final of um, Auckland yeah. uh, not two days ago, so he comes in with a bit of form as well. And yeah, I think that's all that. Do you have any matches in which you're looking forward to at all? Um, I'm just trying to think of you know more obscure ones where there, there might be a little bit of interest. And I was just looking on the ladies' side. Um, I think Taylor Townsend Bedosa. That one could be decent, um, you know, just Ooh. in terms, again, where are these two players? But it could be fun. Um, Hadid Maya, um, uh, she plays uh, for Drover. And um, I'm trying to think where else I saw one. Arani uh, Sanders, Storm Sanders, again, just a bit of intrigue in that. I think it'll be a fun match to watch. And on the main side, well, well let me pick something that, that you have not picked. Um, mm-hmm. so, I found one more. I found one more. Let's go for it. Go for it. Uh, Manorino Wadrinka, that would be uh, an interesting contest between those two. It's uh, just before Murray Echeverry, I could see Manorino Wadrinka also. I was going to say on that one. I thought you were going to say Shapoval of uh, Jakub Menchik. Did you see that? That will be a horrible match. It will be unforced so. law. <laughs> I am not interested. He's not watching it. Well, um, don't tune in tomorrow for James's take on uh, Shapoval of Menchik because he hasn't. He, he won't have watched it. Um, but yeah, no, that's been good. That's been fun looking back on day one um, of the Australian Open. Uh, we still have 14 more days to go because, of course, it's a 15-day Grand Slam. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate your time, James. It's been a fun, uh, fun chat. Um, but yeah, let's let's do it again over the next couple of weeks. All right. Absolutely, it's brilliant. Good man. See you later. See you later. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.